welcome back to the Silver Spring Roll Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, and this is I Love Basketball. Uh, we've been off for a couple weeks because the world has, you know, done some things in the interim, but happy to be back talking about the Lakers. And I am once again joined by Anthony Irwin. Anthony, how are you doing? I'm doing so good. Yeah. <laughs> the city of Houston is on fire. This is about <laughs> as good as it gets. Other than like a Lakers win. Watching the city of Houston, like I tweeted about it already, so I'm, I'm just going to relay the same joke, but the city of Houston had a whole bunch of people who like stood up for the Astros and their cheating and all that and then went and and so, you know, I believe in the sports gods, I believe in karma and and so since they did that, uh, the Astros kind of fell apart, they didn't make a World Series this year, they uh, have seen Deshaun Watson kind of go to waste with their with their football team they fired their football coach bill o'brien and then now james harden is screaming at austin rivers when he misses free throws this is fantastic this is like christmas i mean i think we forgot about deandre hopkins being traded oh Um, yeah yeah that's right yeah i think they they fired their pr director today it was like the only female pr director in all of the nfl for like suspicious reasons it's a strange time to be a houston sports fan Uh, (laughs) it's always a strange time to be a houston sports fan you should never be a houston sports fan really should not really should not i will say (laughs) um it's probably better to have a cheater as your manager than a racist multi-time drunk driver but (laughs) this is not a white Sox podcast so let's move on to basketball not by much not by much like the the bar there is very low very very low low. all right so big news in the nba world today is that Russell Westbrook has decided he wants out of Houston, which seems like a coded way of saying that Houston wants out of the Russell Westbrook experience, <laughs> yeah. um, which is just delightful because James Harden told his you know, general manager and ownership to mortgage Helen Highwater to come bring him in last year and the one-year honeymoon is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know about you, but Houston has just like this knack of experiencing really... I don't want to say heartbreaking because like you can kind of see them coming a mile away, but just like colossal epic failure meltdowns in the playoffs. And I really thought nothing was going to one up the 27 mysteries in 2018, but somehow this series against the Lakers has inspired like an even bigger shakeup within the Rockets. And although I don't want to like spend this whole time talking about the Rockets, I do think it's interesting to think about like all of the, you know, uh, rep- like repercussions they could have around their league if they actually try to move Russell Westbrook. Like, I don't think the Lakers are going to get involved in that business at all, but like um, that's like one more contender that is explicitly not trying to beat the Lakers next year. And yeah. like, if the Clippers I, are in this business, that's another team that's not trying to beat the Lakers that's next I was gonna year. Go. That's exactly what <laughs> yeah. I was going to bring up that like the Lakers, the Clippers could potentially be interested here. And, you know, here we thought that last season couldn't have ended any funnier you go from the Clippers blowing a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets, like somebody made out of actual peach fuzz in Nikola Jokic. And now they're interested in this player who, like, I it's tough here because some of some of the Russell Westbrook stuff uh is it, it, you know borders on on unfair, but you you can't make the amount of money that he's making and be and and be so detrimental to a team's chances of winning, right? It, it'd be one thing if Russell Westbrook was, because he has the talent to be a decent starting point guard in the NBA, right? Like you would just, just based on talent alone, mm-hmm. he should be a starting point guard making, 
I don't know, 12 to $15 million a year and, uh, and plays within a system and, and is, you know, we saw him lend himself to winning a little bit with, when, you know, he stopped forcing so many jumpers and then, Lo and behold, though, he's almost Shakespearean in his flaws of, of trying to go right back to being the exact, trying to prove to everybody, no, 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 see, they can win with me being like this. And, and you can't, you can't win like that. I think uh, the Rockets saw that he's not changing anytime soon. His Tillman Fertitta saw the amount of money that he owed Russell Westbrook. And that can't be, you know, that couldn't have been a pleasant experience for him. And, and here we are, but the, the Clippers thing, do you think that, you know, you, you pay a lot more close attention to the Clippers than I do. Do you think that's an actual thing? Could, could you see that thing happening? So my gut says that anything that comes out about the Clippers is not true because they're so notoriously tight-lipped about mm-hmm. everything that happens within their front office. And in order to make the money for a Russell Westbrook trade work, either you're sending away Paul George, which not a good idea because for as much fun as we make, hilarious, we make fun of Paul George a lot and you know, it's, it's a good time, but mm-hmm. he is better than Russell Westbrook and he's an easier player to build around than Russell Westbrook. Right. Um, I think Oklahoma city probably came to that conclusion, but they just covered both of them anyway. Um, <laughs> or, you know, you create a trade that's like Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, Rodney Magruder, and you send all those guys away for Russell Westbrook. And I'm not so certain that that's a better team for the Clippers than with all those guys in place. And that also requires Montrez agreeing to a sign and trade. And if he doesn't, then you're sending away Zubach and like, like how much are you trying to give away just to get this one guy who yes, is technically a starting point guard, but I don't think he can play next to Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he mm-hmm. wants the ball in his hands at all times. Like he wasn't even willing to give the ball up to James Harden, the most efficient isolation player in the entire NBA. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't get the Clippers interest. Uh, the way it kind of reads to me is, you know, Houston's shopping him. Clippers are interested in a point guard, put two and two mm-hmm. together. You call up the Clippers say, Hey, what's up? Like you want to make a deal. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't like it. I, I feel bad for us because, you know, I feel like there's like a lot of guys who were in the bubble and had coronavirus, came back, didn't look like themselves and are now being judged because of that performance. You know, like the Clippers are obviously dealing with that on, on their own with like Montrezl Harrell, how he played, uh, in the postseason, um, and while I do think that like that just exacerbated their flaws because they were already there to begin with, um, it's it's just unfortunate that like something unfortunate happened to them, like they contracted the virus, and that's why they weren't at their A game. And you know, yeah, it, it, it's kind of what we remember them for. It, I I agree with you to a certain extent there, but but again, like it goes back to he's just. He's so stubborn in who he is and, and, and what he thinks he is as a player. Like the, the report I saw earlier today was that he wants to go back to being a floor general and he wants the ball in his hands at all times. You're not going to be on a winning team. Like you, your team, all right, he'll, you'll be on a borderline playoff team in the Eastern Conference, not in the West. So if he goes to the East and is given the keys, you can maybe scrape by a seven or an eight seed, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, you know, if, if you give him the right kind of setting, if you basically surround him with shooters and defenders, then, okay, maybe it could work. But your ceiling is exactly that. You know, your ceiling is a first-round exit. And it's just – at the same time, I'm actually – I kind of enjoy the honesty. He's just like, you know what? 
I tried winning. I just want to get mine. <laughs> I want to, I won an MVP averaging a triple double. Let's just go back to doing that. That was fun for me. Everybody else was having fun, right? Everybody was having, it was not fun for me. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so that's where, that's where he finds himself at this stage of his career. And uh, for the Rockets, you know, I don't know where they go because nobody wants to take on that, that Russell Westbrook contract. He's owed, he has two more years of almost 40 or 40 plus million. And then at the end of that, he has a $47 million player option that I feel pretty safe in predicting he's going to pick up. He's going to exercise. That. <laughs> <laughs> he already has exercised it is the crazy thing. It's the most efficient de- decision-making of his life. And so, you know, I, you're probably going to have to give up an asset to get rid of him, because, or, or, you're probably going to have to take on a bad contract uh, in getting rid of them. And, you know, I, I know Tillman Fertitta is probably really focused on winning. Uh, the sooner he can get butts in seats, the better. Uh, just given his financial situation, he's been obliterated by this pandemic. And so, like, I, I have no idea what, what their intentions are there. And they have some other decisions to make across their roster with no real direction. And who knows, like, the initial report was – uh, it was just Russell Westbrook. And then there was a follow-up report that James Harden is quote locked in on being a Houston rocket, but there's a lot of smoke surrounding whether or not that's actually factual. And he's also looking at the situation and he's saying, wait, I'm just going to be here by myself. PJ Tucker is going to be 35. We're going to give him an extension. This is the, this is the direction of this, of this franchise. And maybe he's like Westbrook. Maybe he just, he's, he's fine with just getting his numbers and exiting the, the playoffs early. But yeah, you know, I, I can't imagine at this stage of his career, given how many jokes have been made about him being a playoffs loser, that he would want to continue that narrative as well. So I have no idea what, where, where they're all going and, and it all kind of like you said, all of this, the 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 doubt, the seeds of doubt were planted by the Lakers just waxing them in that second round series. Yeah, that that James Harden tweet kind of reminded me of when a front office like gives a vote of confidence to their coach and then a week later he's gone. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um it's it's not the thing you want to hear, like a guy says he's committed. Like if he has to say he's committed, I feel like Paul George said that to the Pacers like 70 times. It doesn't mean that he's committed. Like that's that's a yeah. problem. Um, well, it's like, it's like the game of Thrones line, right? If you have to say you're the King, you're no King, right? So if you're, if you have to, if you have to go out there and tell everybody, no, 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 guys, I'm happy here. I <laughs> promise I'm happy here. It's like, if, could you imagine Jen tweeting out? I swear. I love my husband. I'd be really <laughs> nervous about, <laughs> about what's going on there. <laughs> um, I do think though, the, the rocket situation kind of like is an interesting way of looking at the types of decisions that teams are going to make because of the financial landscape this year, like mm-hmm. there aren't going to be butts in seats, right? Like most teams are not going to be able to have fans. The revenue yeah, is going to be just announced that they aren't going to have any fans for the exactly. future. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, where's that revenue coming from? Like the types of decisions that you could make when you were going for it, I'm not sure are going to be feasible for every team in the league. Uh, and like, it's something we've talked about a lot with the Lakers, like in order for them to improve their team, they're probably gonna have to pay the tax this year. And I think that's something they're committed to doing, which is great um, because ownership is really like the greatest competitive advantage in the NBA. I think Daniel LaRue says that on Twitter all the time. Um, yeah. And it's, it's no clearer than like, if you look at the situation between the Lakers and the Rockets, right? Because uh, this is an ownership group that in LA that obviously has made mistakes. Uh, there was like a 
an internal coup at one point in 2017 and like legal battles and yeah uh, you know and then magic johnson obviously just like threw the entire group under the bus and then like dropped the bus again uh, <laughs> so it's not like this is stable but god having money makes all the difference in the world right now like it's incredible yeah i and actually you know you talk about stability and you know, one of the things that I was really critical of, of Lakers ownership and, and their, their decision makers in the, um, in the front office was never really coming out and explaining what the situation was, never really coming out and answering any questions on what the hell is actually going on there. At, at that time, remember when Magic Johnson left, there were all the reports on, I, and I myself heard some whispers that, you know, Bob Myers might potentially be interested in maybe Masai Ujiri ah, might the shadow be executive. Right. Remember the shadow executive, all of that stuff. And so like you had, it's, you it's had Linda Rambis. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to find out Linda Rambis is like the guru, the basketball guru of all, <laughs> of all gurus. But the, but like we, you know, we, we went through all of that and they just kind of stayed focused and stayed quiet. And, you know, after the fact they, after they won, you know, they came out and said, what would we have actually said there? I, we would have given a, a vote of confidence that James Harden just gave, and that doesn't normally go over very well. So just focus on what you have, your your task in front of you. What was it, chop wood and carry water or whatever it was? Carry water, that's, was it? It was carry water, I think right? chop that's wood and a, carry water, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I was thinking Mannix there for a second, but, you know, never mind. But, like, um, for when it comes to, you know, the way that the Lakers handled their business and, and how quiet they were and how focused they were, and then you see everything going on here with the Rockets, it only makes it more difficult for them to move these guys if they do wind up being moved, you know? And, and uh, like you said a second ago, ownership in the NBA and in all of professional sports, it, it, it's, this, uh, it's the opposite of a grand equalizer. At the end of the day, if you have, a, if you have an owner that you're confident in, and, and the Rockets situation is a perfect example of this, uh, before Fertitta bought the team, they were a steady franchise. Maury had the reins. And yes, they were the subject of a lot of memes and, and tough playoff losses and all of that. But you knew year in, you out, year out, they were going to be there at the end of the day. Tillman takes over and for Tito, as Kendrick Perkins calls him today, um, he takes over and it's taken, what, two, three years to get to this point? given where they were, they almost knocked off the Warriors. And only a handful of years later, you're looking at this dumpster fire. And and it's, you know, it just goes back to how important it is to have ownership, great ownership, and then also stars that are willing to buy in and set examples. Because I'm looking right now on Twitter. Here's a quote. Um, quote, in another instance, Rivers was barked at by Harden after the former MVP missed a free throw and blamed Rivers, who was standing up by the bench for distracting him. What? <laughs> what? What is going on? Danwell House apparently is, it was reportedly asking for more touches uh, to, to chime in as Russell Westbrook and James Harden were fighting over said touches. So you have all of this chaos, you have all of this just absolute complete and utter lack of leadership and you know you look at the situation that the lakers are in and especially given where they were you know maybe a year or two ago and it's hard not to to feel pretty good about the direction of this team yeah i think i'd like to talk more about how the stars are so different um but let's take a quick break and then we'll come back to it 
All right, we're back on I Love Basketball on the Silver Screen Roll podcast. Anthony, you were just talking about how the Rocket stars don't exactly exhibit the type of leadership that you would expect from guys who you're paying $40 million to a year. <laughs> um, the Lakers, thankfully, have not had that problem. And I keep thinking about like these, these contracts that they're on, like it might be a good thing for the cap to stabilize a little bit. So these extensions, like get a little less out of control. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anthony Davis is set to make $32.7 million next year. The fact that like he can be making $10 million less than Russell Westbrook and James Harden seems like there's something wrong with the math. Yeah. It, it's tough because those contracts, those previous extensions where you see Russell Westbrook potentially making, like we said earlier, $47 million. <laughs> That's unbelievable. $47 million. And uh, those were signed under the understanding or the belief that the cap was going to continue to rise, that right. the revenue across the league was going to continue to go up. And then it didn't. You know, and, then, and then it didn't. And so these numbers where you're looking at, you know, Russell Westbrook, I was doing this the other day because of the Chris Paul rumors as well. You look at these contracts for 36, 38, whatever, $40 million. And the cap right now is set at 109 million. That's ha basically half your cap is going to is going to a player. And if that player is Russell Westbrook, like you're fine if that amount of your cap is going to LeBron James. Right. You're fine if that amount of your cap is going to LeBron James and Anthony Davis, right? But mm -hmm. but the the idea that it would be going to Russell Westbrook at this stage of his career and and given the way that he thinks of himself as a player, Phil Jackson always used to say that the worst coach in basketball or the worst player to coach in basketball was the aging superstar. Cause the last person who is understand, who understands uh, where they are physically is that superstar. And I think that's what we're seeing here with Russ. You know, it used to be, he was so electric that his athleticism would just jump off the TV at you. Right. It didn't matter what kind of TV you're watching, black and white, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, it was understandable that that dude was just different. And, you know, maybe it was COVID, maybe it was, you know, a, a number of things, but this last year, he, he didn't seem to have that, you know, that, that super special athleticism and, you know, Harden's another guy where, uh, he is super crafty with the basketball and, and he's one of the best decision makers. The, the, the game has ever seen one of the best passers that the game has ever seen, but he also just takes himself completely out of place for some reason mm -hmm. where, you know, he stands up there at basically the half court line and just says, all right, you guys, I'm not in this play. You guys do your thing. And have you ever seen that from a super? I've never seen I've that. Never seen that. I mean, like Steph Curry doesn't stand still for one second. Right. Like he's always yeah. on, like, he's got like, you know, twinkle toes, honestly, he's always moving one direction or another at like Durant doesn't even stand so that much. And he's a very much an isolation player. Like it's, right. it's just so weird to see that, like, maybe there's some value in taking one defender away so you can go four on four, but just like the, the emotional, like the optics of it are so weird. I just, I don't understand yeah. it one bit, but. Well, cause part of that article that, um, I believe it's Kelly Eco. Mm-hmm uh that that he wrote and i think sam amick was also um involved with it and one of the things that they said was that harden is 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 not as interested in hearing about you know hitting hearing honest thoughts about his game as as other some of his other teammates and 
that didn't exactly shock me. Anybody who is willing to take himself out of a play like that, could you just imagine the kind of gravity that 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 James Harden would generate just standing in the corner even? Like even <laughs> if he isn't a part of the play, nobody can leave him open over there. You, you can't. But because he stands so high above the break and so high, you know, damn near at, at half court, he's hurting his team. And and I can't imagine that was a part of their uh strategy i can't imagine that was something that anybody in that organization was okay with yet it continued right and 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 that speaks volumes of the kind of leader and the kind of player that he is or he wants to be and i'm sorry so long as harden is on your team and he has that approach just like westbrook if so long as he is on your team and he has the similar approach your team isn't going very far yeah it's a tricky balance right because on the one hand you want to be able to I don't know that you want to cater to your superstar, but you kind of have to in the NBA. Like if your superstar wants something, it's it's really in your best interest to get that done. Um, mm-hmm. But then there also has to be some sort of accountability, right? Like when the Lakers got LeBron, um, this is, I was really worried about the aging superstar thing with him to be perfectly honest, but yeah, he's, he's not human, he so it's fine. He got blocked by Mario Hazonia. <laughs> <laughs> I called him watch. That will never not be funny. I, I love the run. It's still funny. Um, but, you know, they, they tried doing things like, the way that Palinka and Magic thought was best by keeping all the young guys and, uh, you know, letting LeBron be the leader there. And it, it didn't work. So then they had to pivot. But like, I do think that there's been some expectation that LeBron has to do things the Laker way too, right? Like Anthony mm-hmm. Davis got him to play defense. Frank Vogel got him to play defense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't get to control. I, I want to say he doesn't get to control everything, but I feel like he kind of does too. Like he got Anthony Davis, but we yeah. didn't give up everything at the trade deadline to get him. <laughs> well, I think, I think, you know, the, the, it's a partnership, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if, you know, if LeBron says, if, Le, if LeBron James comes to you and says, Hey, I think I can get you guys, Anthony Davis, but it's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. You say, how much is it going to cost? <laughs> right. I mean, we like talked how, about this a couple of weeks ago, right? Like, should we just sign Kuzma over again too? <laughs> right. as an apology? Right. <laughs> we like, underpaid. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in that respect, the partnership is relatively easy. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, once Anthony Davis shows up and, and I think part of it is just that Davis is so freaking good on defense that it mm-hmm. would really stand out that LeBron wasn't as focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that kind of kept LeBron a little bit more honest in that regard, but even still like the partnership between the Lakers and specifically Jeannie Buss and LeBron, remember there was the Ramona Shelburne wrote about how uh, LeBron and Jeannie went out to dinner following the whole magic fiasco. Right, right. You know, and, and, and they both kind of recommitted to each other and really said, okay, we got to write this ship. This last year was so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. This off season right now is his, that we're already <laughs> uh, embarked on is we're starting from an embarrassing spot. So we got to write all these wrongs and it's going to take a, a concerted effort on both of our parts to get that done. And you know, while some of the stuff that Tillman Fertitta says, you know, in front of the cameras where he'll say stuff like partnership and all of that, actions speak a lot louder than words. And in a, if an owner, if you're a superstar, right, uh, an NBA superstar, and you know in the back of your mind that your owner is not going to be willing to pay the luxury tax, even if it means a shot at winning a championship. Right. How committed to that situation can you possibly be, mm-hmm. right? And and I think, 
you know, that's not something now Matt Moore loves to get angry at me when I point this out, because he says it's a lot easier for the Lakers to be committed to winning when they print money the way that they do, mm-hmm. but they do print money the way that they do. And they are committed that way. And so when it, when the time comes for AD to make his decision, they're just going to say, all right, you write down your number and then also, you know, write in a line for you to sign. That's our deal. That's our contract. We have no problem. Whatever kind of contract that you want mm-hmm. done. We know that going in and Anthony Davis knows that going in because he can be committed to the Lakers. He knows it. They're committed to that, to, to him and to LeBron. Whereas like, does James Harden think Tillman Fertitta is com- committed to, to him? I, I can't imagine he would feel that way. There's just no way to feel that way. Right. And it does seem like LeBron's actions, even if they compromise the future of the franchise, they are still in the interest of winning now, which is, yeah. you know, something that you can't really say about a team that refuses to use its exceptions because that would push them too close to the tax or uh, like they, that they did that stupid little thing with Nene's contract, right. Where like it turned into like a $10 million non-guarantee. And then this, the rest of the board governors was like, no, 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 that's too cute. You can't do that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but I guess it works because like the Lakers stars just fit better too. You know, I, yeah, that helps. I know we had questions about that. I'm, I guess there were some questions about that just because you have to talk about something in Mansion, but <laughs> uh, I, I just question James Harden's judgment because if you really are invested in winning, why do you think that Russell Westbrook is a better partner than Chris Paul? Like that's what it comes down to me. And I, I can't blame it all on like my team isn't interested in, you know, helping me win because they were paying $40 million to Chris Paul, right? Like there was clearly an investment going in towards putting a good product on the court. And you were like, nah, I don't like this guy. Bring in my friend from Oklahoma city and massively overpay for him. Uh, so it, it, the partnership works both ways, right? Like the, both parties have to make smart decisions. And I don't, I don't know if we can blame one side or the other more in Houston. Like, obviously it's a lot funnier to blame someone for Tita, uh, Although it is really fun to blame James Harden too, actually. I don't, I don't really know which side I come down on, but <laughs> I, I think, think generally it's just easy to laugh at that, that whole situation. Yeah. Like that's like, where I'm at. I just, given, given everything that 2020 is, has dropped in our laps this year. And given the fact that we're going to jump right back into draft coverage and right back into free agency and right back into uh clause opt-ins and opt-outs and mm-hmm. trades and, and all of that. I, I enjoy the fact that we get a day here just to kind of sit back and laugh at Houston. Shouts to Houston for giving us this like this last little glimmer of, of hilarity before we jump into an offseason that is going to be super drunk for, mm-hmm. for, for, for the, the stretch of it. They're compacting an entire offseason into like three weeks. So I actually am curious about that because, yes, there are these rumors that Westbrook wants out. I think plausibility of that is fairly low just because of that, you know, working that contract into a trade. Um, I'm kind of of the belief that this offseason is not going to be that crazy. I think because mm. the timeline is so truncated that it's just going to be hard, you know, for people to uproot their lives like in two weeks and, you know, move their families and um, want to go to teams when they have like two weeks to learn everybody's name and figure out the systems. Right. So my instinct is that we're going to see a lot of teams running it back, but I don't know. Then you get something like, Westbrook wanting out of Houston and James Harden having to project a vote of confidence. And I start to think maybe there's a lot in play that I'm not thinking about. Well, so the reason I think it's going to be uh, pretty chaotic is 
Giannis is going to be a free agent next year. So you have mm-hmm. all the posturing and positioning to get yourself in place to have a shot at Giannis next season. Like creating so Milwaukee gonna... Vice jerseys. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Those are so gross. I also made this joke on Twitter, but like, so my dad, I'm half white, half Mexican. Mm-hmm. And my dad has been going to quinceaneras and weddings and all these family gatherings for right. upwards of 30 years now. And uh, it's just like you have this Milwaukee Vice is perfect, but you have all these like super bright and vibrant colors. They're all dancing the salsa. And then you see Harley Davidson. <laughs> like that's so my dad. It's just like, you have this like bright, vibrant thing. And then bang, white guy right there. Um, but so the, the, you have, yeah, you have, you have Milwaukee who's going to be trying to convince Giannis to stick around too, which is going to be its own thing. The point you make about players uh, not wanting to uproot themselves for, for such a short season, I think is a really good one. Um, I, I would venture a guess that, you know, nobody's going to be buying much. If you just sign with a team this year, I don't think you're buying a house right when you show up. Right, right. Uh, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of apartments being rented, but, but, you know, for, for NBA off season are almost always chaotic and, uh, maybe it's, you know, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a little less because of the stuff that you're talking about. I would probably predict though, that it's going to be more just cause you know, there are still so many things that teams have to do. So even, even if it's just your average NBA off season, because it's going to be so mm-hmm. truncated, it, it is going to feel a lot more chaotic and, and, uh, and yeah, it was nice that the, the, the rockets gave us like, you, you were all like. Uh, sperm whales right where we go up and we take this nice like big <laughs> breath of fresh air and then are just dive right back into <laughs> into the, the the craziness that the nba provides that was a strange analogy to end on but i'm okay with it <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I, you know, I don't think the lakers are going to be part of this craziness though you don't I think, think so i think this team is going to look i'm going to say 12 players are going to be the same next year there's a lot of noise about Serge Ibaka. Have you been paying attention to that? I have, yes. He did unfollow a... the Lakers. <laughs> What's that? He followed and then unfollowed the Lakers. Oh, man. <laughs> no, never mind. It's never happening. <laughs> but uh, the, the Serge Ibaka thing, man, I can't think of a more perfect player. Like, you know, there was the Gallinari talk, and um, I think he's interesting for a couple different reasons. But if... Serge Ibaka comes in like he's basically what Marquise was, right? You know, to the but nth more degree, he's consistent a better player. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and we saw the impact that Keith had on this team last year. So if they can somehow bring Serge over, I I don't even care if it takes up their whole mid level. Absolutely. Like they're talking about they would prefer to yeah I would prefer to to weigh like thirty less pounds. But if it <laughs> if it like if they can get him for any price in that mid-level area, whether it's, I think nine, six is what they can offer. Um, then bring him over for that price and, and get it going. Yeah. I, th- I think they're only going to get to that 9 million money. If the Luol Deng contract comes off, which uh, we'll, you know, we'll see if that happens. Uh, yeah. Do you like that? They're being proactive at the very least. <laughs> hey, it's, it's funny that like, that was something people were trying to poke fun at the Lakers and then the, the Rockets, <laughs> just like stumbled in drunk through the front door. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. Watch what we can do. <laughs> it's, 
it's strange to think that like I, I once again have confidence in the Lakers front office to do smart things or at least, you yeah. know, try to atone for their mistakes. Uh, it's been a while. It's a, it's a nice feeling to have. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. All right. And on that note, uh, this has been, I love basketball on the silver screen and roll podcast. Uh, you can listen to our show every day of the week on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll be back next week. Take care.